0: Now why would you go to all that trouble when you know he's not getting you anything? Because then I will own him. (laughs) I will have something to lord over him for the rest of his hunched over, minimum wage earning, fat lady pleasing, shoe selling life. (laughs)
1: I get it open.
2: Whoa.
3: No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast.
4: Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast and happy absolutely nothing out of the ordinary day podcast listeners. My name is Annabelle and am I smiling? I can't feel my face. I bought that all day soak and poke package.
5: My name is Matt and I look forward to being married for 800 years. I
1: don't know if you want to be married that far, <laughs> 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 and, and this is Luigi. I will be going to the spa later today for my Mexican pepper facial and pool.
4: This is Season 9, Episode 17, 25 Years and What Do You Get? Originally aired on February 12th, 1995. Written by Donald Beck and directed by Sam W. Orender. That sounds like a cartoon, lizard. According to IMDb... On their 25th wedding anniversary, Peggy goes out with Marcy to a posh health spa, where Peggy gets conned out of all her money by a gift shop employee selling cheap beauty items. Meanwhile, Al is in trouble when the old and senile Buck buries in the backyard the anniversary gift necklace he plans to give Peggy, which prompts him, Bud, and Kelly to literally dig up the entire backyard looking for the necklace. Guest cast. Marty Rackham as Dave, John LeFleur as Sven, David Drummond as Chance, and Buck as Buck the Dog. I should mention Kim Wyskoff as the voice of Buck, but we don't know who did the voice of BB the Dog. But I know that BB the Dog is played by Frida the Dog, and apparently she's Buck's girlfriend in real life. Well, she was when Entertainment Tonight did a backstage tour of Married to Children around the time of their 200th episode and this episode. So whether they meant she was his girlfriend on, his, on the show or in real life as well, I'm not entirely sure. But well, let's go with it. And we don't know who voiced BB the dog. Not, not credited.
1: Hmm. You think it was maybe Stacy Lipp
4: If she does voice work, yeah.
1: Tonight, he's got the gift. I'm a necklace. He's got the clothes.
6: Look what I rented for $8. Where's the matching Urkel glasses? Is Al getting romantic for Valentine's Day? Laugh all you want.
3: Shut up! A
6: brand new Married with Children. All part of my master plan to avoid having sex with the wife.
3: Then, the toughers have to teach their son the facts of life. Why is this my job?
7: I told him when the dog died.
3: Dream on after Married with Children. It all happens tonight on Fox
5: sounds like a good show i've noticed um as we all know about the show's continuity not even going to get into that this should really be their 23rd or 24th anniversary and they celebrated the 20th and only back in 1992 when they had the dinner with anthrax in season six
4: yeah don't get me started on all that but yeah um dinner with anthrax yeah very early 1992 so i think in the the timeline of the characters' lives was sort of led to believe or assume that Peggy and Al got married in 1971 or at least about then and because that would sync up with it would almost sync up with the Anthrax episode. I mean, it give, give take a couple of months but it would sync up with season one in um, 16 years and what do you get Well, they celebrated their 16th anniversary. So yeah, this should be their 23rd or 24th anniversary <coughs> well, the 24th 20- what are we 95 yeah but it's tv now annabelle you know during the you know when you listen to the
1: uh, dialogue in this there's one point when al says that you know how's it been 25 years he says you know i was only in high school so you, you know so that's another thing another bone to pick hope which hopefully has some meat on it uh in terms of uh, how long Alan Peggy had been married, because if he was in high school or he got married right at the end of high school, you know, we've talked about this before. That would have been in 1967. So mm. that would have pushed their 25th wedding anniversary further back, right? Because it's like, well, how old is Kelly? Like, when did high school end? He's part of the Panthers of '66. He would have graduated, let's say, in June of 1967. Yeah. So 25 years would have been 1992. So what do you think, Annabelle? This could be their 24th, 25th? 25th,
4: their 23rd, uh, sorry, their 24th, their 25th, their 30th. (laughs) Um, Yeah, depending on when Alan Pegg actually got married. It was either 1971 or if it was straight out of high school, probably, you know, 67, 68. So what were they doing for those next few years? But anyway, this is television and this is Married With Children. So, we open with Peggy watching Oprah.
3: Today on Oprah, qualified experts speak rationally about relevant social issues.
4: <laughs>
0: what?
3: Just kidding. Today's topic, sluts who hang out at 7-Eleven.
5: <laughs> with some relevant social issues, I think. Uh Yeah, Hank, oh, what's today's episode of Oprah about? Uh seven eleven huh that's relevant. We didn't even have seven eleven in my country when this when this was um uh, made,
1: so I you know so I have a
4: question have Have either of you ever watched Oprah's show?
5: uh bits of it. My mum was quite a big fan of when I was younger.
4: I've watched one episode in full which happened to have Christina Applegate on it. Oh, really <laughs> but this is in two thousand eight. This is not back when it was when Peggy was watching it, so to speak. So it was
0: 2008, I sat down with another former Married with Children star, actress Christina Applegate. We were also moved and, and, and inspired when she told us about her courageous battle with breast cancer. So you just made the decision that you were going to let both go?
2: Yep, I was just going to let them go. Mm. Then did you <sighs> cry? You know i at first, I didn't, and then, when I met with my doctor and I told him that was my decision, and he brought the surgeon in, and it was like it was the floodgates just opened up, and i I lost it mm-hmm. okay.
1: and i it the only thing that I'd ever seen was my mom's and and that was in the
2: seventies, and they didn't do a very good job back then, yeah, so in my own mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be like butchered, and it's going to be horrible, and I'm never going to love my you know that part of me again it just it That's what I thought, but I did a lot of research and no, they can make some pretty boobies, very pretty boobies.
1: (laughs) I mean, one thing I'll say is like Oprah never really came. I never really watched probably bits and pieces, but I'd say I never really thought of Oprah's show as, you know, like a Jerry Springer or uh, uh, a Richard Bay type of show. Like in other words, it it sounded to me like she she was more, she was talking more about relevant social issues, her and... Uh, even Phil Donahue like it wasn't like I didn't feel like it was that uh, outrageous type of show that that the joke works uh, unless I'm wrong
4: yeah I never thought of her as a a sensationalistic type show like that so maybe she was around this time I don't know someone who watched it at the time can tell us yeah and
1: uh, Matt did you just say that uh, the 7-Eleven is in Australia currently
5: it is currently, but as far as I know, it was not in 1995. In fact, uh, here in Perth, we didn't get it until about four or five years ago.
1: Interesting. All right, so I mean, so you've had one of their slushies?
5: Yes, I've had a slurpy. I quite like this <laughs> slurpy. Excuse me,
1: I'm mixing up Simpsons with uh, with reality.
5: <laughs> 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 But yeah, I do quite like a good Slurpee, especially a nice oh, kiwi berry lemon bitters. The lychee ones I can take or leave.
1: Now I remember, like uh, it was about maybe ten years ago, give or take. I think when that Simpsons movie came out, they had a um, they converted Seven Elevens around the country into Quickie Marts. Nice. So <laughs> I, I thought that there was one actually in Manhattan. I remember walking by it and like you know it just looked like a you know, a real-life Simpsons uh, Quiggy Mart, so I thought that was pretty cool.
5: That was pretty awesome. I do remember reading about that at the time when the movie came out back in uh, 2007. I remember I went to uh, see the film in the cinemas, and it was amazing. It was actually saw it literally just about a month after I started watching Married with Children.
4: The episode, this episode's title is a play on the lyrics of uh, 16 Tonnes, by Tennessee Ernie Ford, which is a name you're probably familiar with via this song, or if you're a fan of I Love Lucy, maybe. But it's 16 Tons and What Do You Get? And that's where they got the title for the episode we just mentioned before in season one, In 16 Years and What Do You Get? So these episodes have a lot in common, um, as we'll discover as as the discussion goes on, but that's where the title comes from anyway.
1: You load 16 tons. What do you get another day older and deeper in depth? Saint Peter, don't you call me cause I can go. I owe my soul to the company
2: store.
1: And you know, Annabelle, what I will say about the title is I, I would have like as a fan would have loved for there to been more continuity between those episodes. Like I I feel like, I feel like the continuity from the 16 years, what, what do you get? In 25 years, what do you get? You know, there's not a lot of continuity between the two.
4: No, and the, the 20th anniversary and the Dead with Anthrax episode as well, they're sort of, they're sort of very similar, uh, sorry, all um, separate different episodes. Um, this one in particular and 16 years, I would, would have liked more, yeah, more things in common, like you say, but I did notice yeah. that both episodes reference midget wrestling.
1: Ah. <laughs> ah. Okay, so there's the tie in, huh? Mm. Yes, there's a callback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know, in season nine, there are some callbacks. I mean, there's some rare continuity that we see in season nine. For example, uh Skippy, you know, the mm. death of Skippy. And Skippy was mentioned in actually in season eight, right? In Hood and the Boys. Yeah. Yep. I think that was the first mention when we where we actually see Skippy and there's a reference to him dying. In season nine. And later on, we get the great Puggy Weaver mentioned again. And I believe he was mentioned in season five.
5: Yep. I'm
1: going to say. So, I mean, so there is some... So whoever the, whoever's writing these episodes d- do make these callbacks to the past, to prior seasons. But hmm. it's like the... It's one little piece of criticism I have for this particular episode.
5: Well, no show's perfect. Not even married of children. <laughs>
4: So Peggy's watching TV, and you'll notice that shot of her watching TV will be used in Season 10 and Season 11 for her opening credit.
5: Yes, yes.
4: So uh, Arsy comes in, and she gives us the exposition, because she says, Happy 25th anniversary, she's very specific to say the, the number. And so what's Peg getting Al for their anniversary?
5: Oh, wait a second, uh... I believe it's a bit of a, a goth garment worn by a famous person. No, no, wait. Uh, the sweat socks Michael Jordan wore in his last game, unwashed and signed, for $500.
0: Happy 25th wedding anniversary. How do you do it? Well, I don't. Well, I do, but only after Al goes to sleep. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth, Marcy. I don't think Al even knows that today is our anniversary. Uh, Well, I hope you're not planning anything special for him. Of course I am. I'm getting him the sweat socks that Michael Jordan wore in his last game, signed and unwashed for $500. (laughs) Now, why would you go to all that trouble when you know he's not getting you anything? Because then I will
4: own him.
1: Wow. And, the, and this was uh, Michael Jordan's first retirement, as I recall. That's correct, yes. First,
4: yes.
5: <laughs> and the $500, uh, so this was now, um, Peggy would be spending uh, $883.19 for the um, Michael Jordan socks. So this is 2021. Or, if you make it in Australian money, Peggy would be spending $1,146.11.
4: Whoa. And this is money she would have stolen from Al anyway, right?
5: Uh, yeah, because Peggy does not resort to severe forms of criminal behaviour, so we should just steal some Al. So on October
4: 6, 1993, Michael Jordan announced his first retirement from the NBA, citing a loss of desire to play the game. And he later stated that the death of his father a few months earlier also shaped his decision, because his father was murdered in mid-1993. But Michael Jordan returned to the Chicago Bulls in March of 1995, so after this episode, soon after this episode, and led them to three additional championships in 96, 97, and 98, as well as a then-record 72 regular season wins in the 95-96 NBA season. He then retired for a second time in January 1999, but he still returned for two more NBA seasons in two thousand one and o three as a member of the Washington Wizards, so he's the the John Farnham of basketball players. He just keeps retiring and coming back
1: uh, uh who's john farnham
4: <laughs> That's, that was for, that was for Matt and my benefit uh John Farnham is a very popular Australian singer. If you look up, you're the voice, you'll probably know that song uh it's written by an American but um that's John Farnham's probably biggest single and, you know, he's been popular since the 60s when he was little Johnny Farnham. And, yeah, he's just been popular ever since then. And, you know, he had a big resurgence in the 80s. And he retired, but then he still comes back to do shows. And he's he's actually, you know, well-liked, especially by, say, older middle-aged women um, who have grown up with him. And he's a great singer. He really is. And, and he's still got it. So he used to, yeah, just retire and then tour again, retire and tour. I think he's retired now, but he still shows up for the, you know, the big events, the big charitable events and things like that.
1: Well, thanks for the uh, little bit of uh, Australian culture. So, you know, so, you know, in the Australian nudie bar today, you know, I'm enjoying some uh, Australian beer. I mean, I think and just for Vincent T's uh, uh, info, (laughs) one of our fans out there, um, you know, I've been drinking VB, but uh, Matt's been uh, having me sample some beers from around Australia.
5: I have, I have. So, uh, I've got NT Draft from Darwin, Cascade from, Taz- from Hobart in Tasmania, we've also got West End from uh, Annabelle's Fine City of Adelaide, Swan Draft from My City of Perth, Forex from Brisbane, Tuis from Sydney, and of course, uh, oh, let's see, blah, 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 Melbourne Bitter, which is also from Victoria and Melbourne. So, plenty of beer all around. The only main city I can't think of that makes a beer is Canberra. There is beer that's made in Canberra, but none of the big brands.
1: Oh, uh, well, hopefully I don't list to one side by the time we get to the end of this recording.
4: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know what Peggy's going to get for an anniversary present yet, but Marcy is at least going to give her one great anniversary present because she is taking her to Chicago's finest massage and beauty spa, Antoine's Under the L.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Now, let me ask you, I mean, how, how many... I mean, now, I, I know this is a, a, an interesting question, but, like, Annabelle, you were recently married, so, I mean, you haven't really gotten to one anniversary <laughs> yet. But, I mean, who, like, besides maybe, like, your parents... I could think of, or maybe like a sibling, get someone an anniversary present. I mean, like Marcy is Peg's neighbor. I mean, I've never heard of like a neighbor, you know, getting <laughs> Her a neighbor, a neighbor an, aniver- an anniversary present.
4: Yeah, it's it's a little odd and very convenient, isn't it? Um, I don't know anybody who's given my parents an anniversary present except for myself but i'm their only child so that sort of doesn't really count my mother is lucky if she gets an anniversary present from my father put it that way so <laughs> <laughs> as you tell me every year yeah. and they've been married for almost 40 years so yeah i mean it's getting on a bit um yes i've only just recently married but we were still on our we're Heading into our tenth decade, very tenth decade, tenth year very soon, our first decade.
1: Your one billionth anniversary. My, my yeah. one
4: billionth <laughs> anniversary. I love that, by the way, how it starts off with eight hundred, then goes to forty thousand, and then it goes to one billion throughout the episode. Oh, that's amazing. My mum liked that too, yeah, it's incidentally.
1: Like, it, 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 it's like dog years. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe
1: that's the tie-in with Buck on this one.
4: Yeah, so except for a wedding present no one else has given us anything yet. So maybe I've got that to look forward to if I move to the suburbs in Chicago or something and, and I have a nice friendly next door neighbor and she's got money. She's going to buy me things. That'd be cool.
0: I am taking you to one of Chicago's finest massage and beauty spas, Antoine's Under the L.
2: <laughs> I
0: bought the all day soak and poke package. <laughs> Massage? Well, I don't know, Marcy. You know, I'm not comfortable taking my clothes off for total strangers. They'll be men. <laughs> what are we waiting for?
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, one of the things I'll say about you know talking about Antoine's, like this is one of the things with Married With Children is they don't make a lot of references like, to Chicago. Well, uh, let me take that back. They do make references to Chicago, but they're very sparse. So in this case, they actually made a reference to Chicago, you know, where they, like in other words, Antoine's under the L. So the L or elevated. So really it should be it should be spelled I guess EL, but I believe like they just call it the L, you know, one letter. Is the Chicago rapid transit line. And when something is under the L, uh, generally it's implied that it's like in a poorer area uh, because it's noisy is the way you have to think about it. Now, uh, so my background is actually in civil engineering and one of my, that's my education. And what I, uh, my favorite part of engineering is actually transportation engineering. In other words, how do you move lots of people around? So... Uh, The L is Chicago's Rapid Transit line. Now, in order to build it, it's actually, you know, the New York City subway was dug underground. And there were parts, there was an elevated line in New York City prior to the subway. So on Manhattan Island, there were these lines that ran up different avenues. And they were all torn down because they generally block light, you know, uh, at the street level. Yep. And cause noise because the trains are running overhead. You know, the train cars are running overhead. So New York decided to get rid of them. The thing is, when you build elevated lines, it's a lot faster to build than a subway. So Chicago started to build their elevated lines right after the Great Fire. Um, you know, early, you know, early 1900s. And um, they sort of traverse the city. There are There are parts of the L that are underground that have been built more recently. But traditionally, that's the view of Chicago. I mean, my only complaint about the Chicago uh, rapid transit line is that since they only have, I guess, two tracks, you don't really run express service like you do in New York. So you have to hit every single stop, which can get very annoying if you're trying to get around.
5: Yeah, thankfully, the public transport in Perth is, uh, actually has express stops and it uh, seems to be a bit better. Uh, I use it well, every day to get to work unless I'm working from home and uh, never really had any issues, issues with it. And uh, whenever I visited Adelaide, I've never had issues with their public transport.
1: Uh, is it uh, underground or is it surface level?
5: All surface level, aside from a few scant tunnels here in Perth.
2: Got it.
4: Yeah, same here. It's all a surface level, except we do have the what they call the O barn. German name, it's some of that goes underground. It's just uh to get into the outer suburbs, there, just to get there much quicker. They have its own track, and they just go down. Some of it's underground, and they come up again. And then, Bob's your uncle.
5: Yeah, I've been on the Oban. I've been. Went to, yeah, it's great I went, fun. I went to Modbury and back.
1: So, I mean, I think, like, for me, the joke here that, they're, that the Married with Children writers have is that, you know, Antoine, like, in other words, saying, instead of saying Anthony's, right, it's like they're trying to make it seem it's like a, a high-class spa yeah. <laughs> under the L in, a, in, a, <laughs> in an area. Now, now, mind you, I mean, like, downtown Chicago, what they call the Chicago Loop, is very ritzy, and and it is there, but uh, yeah. what they're referring to here is is that it's not really like in the downtown center of Chicago. It's like it's a sec probably one of the suburbs because again they live in the northern suburbs of Chicago according to the show. So uh I think that's the that's the joke here.
4: Yeah. And yeah. both both Antoine and the L have been mentioned before separately. I mean, we're talking about beauty spas and, and salons and things. I mean, it's just the same Antoine that was mentioned in season 7 in Mr. Empty Pants. Yep. Yeah. It could very well be. And also, do you remember way back in season two in the Christmas episode where Al in You Better Watch Out and Al says, if they keep shopping there at the other mall, they'll be broke and having to live under the L.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yep.
4: So anyway, once Peg learns they're men, she's quite keen to go. So they leave and that leaves um, Jefferson and Al to come in. And they enter through a door that I'm pretty sure has only been used just this once, one time. I've never seen that door used before or since. Yep, absolutely. Exactly. I think they've exited from the, I think there's been an exit
1: from the door, but I don't think we've ever seen an entrance from the door. I
4: don't, I don't even, I can't even think of an exit through that door. Not through that door anyway. Hmm, that's something else to look out for on the next rewatch.
6: Oh, it took forever for them to leave. Yeah, but much like a roid, they come back with a vengeance. <laughs> That's one thing I learned from my first 800 years of marriage. <laughs> so, uh, where'd you hide Peggy's gift? In a place you'd never think to look.
4: So Al's got a plan. Yes.
6: He does.
4: <laughs> to get out of his 800 years of marriage anniversary. See, first, he's going to take Peg to Denny's.
6: Diamond necklace? All part of my master plan to avoid having sex with the wife. See, first I take her to Denny's. She stuffs herself so full of popcorn shrimp, she lists to one side. And just before she's ready to belch I love you, I lay this on her. Between the combination of shrimp, necklace, and the NyQuil Mickey, I'll be slipping in her pina colada. <laughs> She'll be unconscious. I'll be home watching midget wrestling. And the only hand on my pants will
4: be my own.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Which is a favorite of theirs for special occasions, because we've heard Denny's mentioned before, of course, especially in the season four Christmas episode, It's a wonderful Life. But Al says Peg's going to... The three
1: cent tip, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Al mentions he's going to feed Peg so much popcorn shrimp. We're at this seafood restaurant famous for shrimp. Say, how many shrimp do they give you?
3: I don't know, five cents. Really? Over Denny's, they're having an all-you-can-eat shrimp feast. Oh,
0: we got fries, too.
3: Yeah, Denny's you fries, coleslaw, and all the shrimp you can eat. Mine was under $10. Denny's is $6.99.
2: Oh, but we had this beautiful fishnet thing over our table.
6: Denny's puts all the shrimp you can eat on the table.
4: Oh, ours was on a plate.
6: Denny's, $6.99, all-you-can-eat shrimp feast. <laughs> Say,
4: how many shrimp they give you? What? And I have a question for probably you, Luigi, being the American here. Is popcorn shrimp, like we have popcorn chicken here from KFC, is it shrimp in the shape of little tiny balls of popcorn? Or is it like some sort of popcorn-flavored shrimp, if that's the thing? No, no it, looks, it looks like popcorn. Yeah, that's what I figured. Like at KFC, you get popcorn chicken, which is li- literally pieces of chicken in a, served in a box, which looks like popcorn. So we don't, we don't have Denny's here and I, I don't eat seafood, so I don't know what popcorn shrimp is. So I, I wanted, I wanted an answer there. Yeah.
1: Now I, now I've never, I don't think I've ever eaten in Denny's before or maybe once. And it might've been, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it could, Cause I feel like, you know where I might've, I might've had it. I might've been in Key West. All right. I, th- I, rem- I remember walking by a Denny's and I feel like I was hungry and I went in there, but like, again, i all I know about Denny's. It's like really cheap food. Like in other words, you just need to eat. Yeah. You know, like fine cuisine or, uh, or, or care taken to, it's not like a, like a Gordon Ramsay, I think <laughs> caught dead in it or something like that. Uh, and, uh, because of the different references, uh, some of the food references that have been made on married with children, Popcorn shrimp is one of the things like I some I will usually order on the menu because it's uh, something that Al likes and I like it too. Nice.
4: Hey, so Peggy is gonna eat popcorn shrimp so much that she lists to one side yeah. just before she's ready to belch. I love you. Al's gonna lay her his present on her.
1: Yes. Yeah, and he's going to stick some Ni- a Nyquil Mickey <laughs> yes. into uh, her in her uh, pina colada into her drink. Yeah, and by the way, uh, so you have a uh, Annabelle in your transcripts on your website. It, you you said a Nike Wall Mickey. What? It's a it's, a, it's yeah. Wow, you can tell so that's all. So Nyquil. Uh, uh, so in other words, going to slip some, uh, Ni- uh, I guess it'd be almost like a Nyquil PM to get her to fall asleep. Yeah. You know, and a Mickey is an old term that a lot of people maybe don't know. It just means like you know you're you're sticking something into somebody's drink. Usually, like they use it because date rape type of mm. thing, oh. like, uh similar to what Bill Cosby um, like was doing to his uh, victims.
5: Oh yeah, he came to mind when I saw the whole um, thing in drink.
4: <laughs> oh, that's funny. I just saw the Nike
2: one.
4: <laughs> I don't know when I transcribed this, but it was um it gets uh, someone else used to edit them for me um as a second pair of eyes and <laughs> i i guess he changed it and i never saw it or we just both didn't know what michael was back then but this is a long time ago so yeah. when that next time i upload some transcripts i'll edit that one geez yeah
1: now you know what's this thing with midget wrestling now Annabelle, <laughs> i remember you you know you got to speak to ed o'neill very briefly and you did mention that uh you know, he had said that they couldn't do the show the way it was because, you know, they, they you know, they talked about midgets. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So, someone on the writing staff really loved midget wrestling, I guess.
4: Yeah. And I, I suppose back then you could still say midget or I don't know if it's like a, a trademarked brand or anything, you know, midget wrestling as opposed to oil wrestling or um, the other wrestlings. But, yeah, I, I, he did say that when I, on the brief Bit uh yeah on that uh, live chat that I've I've mentioned before on the podcast somebody asked him about if married children could be staged today I say staged you know what I mean yeah. and he and his instinct was Ed O'Neill's instinct was to say oh no I mean we made fun of women's weight we 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 mentioned midget throwing <laughs> he's sort of aghast at all these things but at the same time he's like you know, never say never type of thing, but you'd have to update it quite a bit. Yeah. So he's like, oh, no, we, we made fun of women's weight <laughs> and, <laughs> and midget throw. I remember he said midget throwing, not midget tossing, and I didn't want to jump and say, oh, it's midget tossing. Yeah, but-
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah I mean, I, even I've had
1: experience with that, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it made me think of you, actually.
5: Oh God! Oh dearie me! Yes, and also notice where Al was keeping Peggy's um necklace. Some um, notice where he was keeping it away from her,
4: where she'll never find it.
5: Uh, let's see, in a pot on the stove. Genius! I know, I know.
4: So yeah, Al, Al's pretty certain his way is you know the only the only hand that'll be down his pants will be his own.
1: Exactly.
4: He wants to protect his domain. <laughs> He's the master of his domain.
5: Yes, and no one will tell him off for it. No one will tell him off for putting his hand down the pants.
1: <laughs> and you know, and speaking of Seinfeld, uh, one thing I'll say about this episode is that this episode has three three subplots to it. You know, so in other words, you have the, you know, Al and Peg portion of it. You have Al uh, Peggy with Marcy. And then you have uh, Buck. Yes. And actually four. I mean, if you even look at, you know, the scenes with the kids, it's like, you know, there was, uh, you know, sometimes it's almost like, you know, there's a one track episode, right? It's like, it's just like one or or there's two, but this one really had multiple parts to it. And I know that earlier in the season, we've talked about how there was a Seinfeld uh, influence where I know Stephen Scott's talked about that
2: Mm.
1: where we've had, you know, we're having multiple subplots and sort of it all comes together. you know, tries to at least come together at the end. Yep. But uh, that was like sort of one of the things that was strange about this episode is that it had so much, so many pieces to it. It was kind of hard to, I mean, if you're looking at it objectively, to follow it all together. But I mean, I think they did wrap it up okay.
4: Yeah, I think so. We can get um, cross that bridge at the end. Yes. But yeah, there's definitely... Influence, you know, the, that mid 90s influence, I call it, or early to mid 90s influence, where shows like Seinfeld, I mean, Seinfeld's the big obvious one, isn't it? Where, yeah. and, and this episode is, is, there's a lot in it. There's a lot going on, sort of thing. So Al tucks his present into the couch, under the couch cushions, because of course you do. But uh, now Bud and Kelly come in with their plot.
6: Dad, I've got a problem.
4: We were out walking Buck when we ran into old Mrs. Stewart.
3: She was wearing her yellow rain slicker, and I guess Buck must have thought she was a fire hydrant.
2: (laughs) So,
4: in a butt shell, (laughs) here's your cleaning bill and a court date. Bud Kelly and Buck, I should say, with their plot. So there's a neighbor somewhere called Mrs. Stewart.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and like you know, and who and who is this? Because we've never had a reference to Mrs. Stewart, right? No, it's,
4: it's probably just a, a a shout out to someone the writer knows or whatever.
1: I, I think I would have loved to have seen a reference to Old Lady McGinty. Yes,
4: yes, I actually thought similarly. That would that would have been awesome because you know that she said, "Oh, we ran into Old Mrs. Stewart." I mean, it's like okay, but if it was Old Mrs. McGinty, that has a ring of recognition. So, yes.
1: No. And at least we've seen Mrs. old Lady McGinty on,
4: on the show, right? Yeah, in yeah. the end of season
5: three. Yeah, maybe she moved away, maybe she passed away, we'll never know. But uh yes, uh um old oh, Mrs. Stewart was violated by Buck when he um peed on her as she was growing bright ye- yellow. Looks looking like a uh fire height, looking like a fire hydrant. I mean, on another note, fire hydrants are underground here, Luigi, so uh that had to be a different joker that was an Australian show.
1: Really? <laughs> really? Yeah, they're underground.
5: Okay. They're, they're underground here, and uh, at least in Perth and Adelaide.
1: Well, how do they? How do you access them?
5: Uh, I'm not sure. I guess the fire department must. I think you lift up uh, like a little cover and uh, plug it in.
4: Stick the hose in the ground, kind of thing.
5: Yeah.
1: Hm. Okay. Now, I mean, the thing, they also, uh, here's another callback for you guys. They talk about here's a cleaning bill and a court date. So that, to me, is reminiscent of uh, when, uh, was it Buck the Stud? Uh, yes. Episode, right?
4: Uh, what was the name of that guy again? Uh, um, I, I, I can only think of the actor's name from Star Trek. Um, um What was his name?
5: Oh, I can't remember even. Oh.
4: i find it. i find it. Armin Zimmerman as Mr. Lovejoy. The Dowager Duchess of Kankakee. There we go. <laughs> oh, you're thinking of um season two. Or did I just mix them up? I, I, Mr. No, Mr. No, Pittman. No, I, I'm th-
1: Pittman, that's, that's it. That's right? season two. No, no, yeah. no, uh, no. hold on. No, no. Um uh, no, no no no. Pittman is the uh, other one. He's the um Mr. Pittman. This is the one who wanted to bre- this is the guy who wanted to breed the breed Buck, right?
4: Mr. Pittman's in season two in Buck Can Do It, where Buck keeps knocking up the dogs in the neighbourhood.
1: Right, no, no, not that you one. You want Buck the, the w- yeah. Buck the Stud?
4: Yeah. Buck the With the yeah. guy played by Clark from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, we hear his name, see. but it's Mr. Lovejoy, apparently. But yeah, he's the one who has the, the best Briard bitch. That's. Right. <laughs> his Lady Briard. He's going to fly her in from Munich.
2: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
4: Yep, that's the one. Uh, yeah, Buck was ready all right back then.
5: He was.
4: But now, it's it's season nine, and, and, and Buck's getting old. I mean, it's nice that they're ad- addressing the fact that he's getting old. I think it's going to soften the blow for events that are going to come in about half a season time. But it reminds me of um, an episode we did, Matt, in at the end of season eight, and Batteries. Yes. That's when they first touched on the fact that Buck is getting old and can't do what he used to do quite as well. So here's another one, and we actually get, um uh more insight into Buck's senility, his 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 age is his I don't want to say downfall, he's not going down so much, but you know, we get to see his eyesight and how, how shocking his eyesight is now and he's he's bumping into things and he's mistaking things and, and not and forgetting things and it's all very upsetting really.
5: Yeah, perhaps they were doing. Perhaps they were ha- already had in mind about the um, episode in season ten. Um, with with Buck in it, perhaps they already had that in mind by this point in the show.
4: Quite possibly, because at the end of the season, they probably would have reevaluated. Okay, how much longer can Buck go on with? You know, is he in pain? Is he getting too old? Etc, yeah. etc. et cetera. So they would have had to start thinking about that. But for the moment, um, Buck Buck's still okay. But he, yeah, he is. He's getting old and senile, and as much as Jefferson tries to delicately put it to Kelly, as opposed to Al's approach, yeah. Father, Father Teresa.
6: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's time we all face facts. Bugs getting old.
7: Is he going to die?
6: Yes.
3: <laughs> Go play. <laughs> Kelly, what Father Teresa <clears throat> is, is trying to say is it's because Buck is getting old. It doesn't mean that he's going to die immediately. Now, the important thing is that you just treat him
4: like any other member of the family when they get old and senile.
3: You mean steal their food and mix up their medicine?
4: <laughs> yeah, but as he explains, it doesn't. He's getting old, but it doesn't mean he's going to die immediately. No, I, uh... but he might when else is that that Bill?
5: Yeah, poor Kelly's pretty sad, and but uh, sure it's around this point of the show where uh, Al claims now to, claims to be married for forty thousand years.
4: <laughs> yeah, and this is where he's talking about how how did that happen? I was just in high school. He was just scoring four touchdowns in a single game. Then, whoop! There it goes. His life.
1: I mean, and that was you know what we mentioned earlier. It's like that's why like the. <laughs> sort of like th- it would literally make him 43 years old which is actually how old I am r- right now you know i just uh, uh would have celebrated my 25th uh, uh anniversary of my high school graduation right hmm. so like when i heard that line i'm like wait a minute <laughs> it's like al would be my age you know and He's having again at at forty three. He has a twenty four year old daughter supposedly, right? Yeah, yeah. If that's if that's Kelly's age. If it it'll all had happened right at the end of high school, so uh, like I said, they. <laughs> The, uh, uh, you yeah, uh, know, we don't need to harp on it, but this is uh, sort of one of those things that leaves, uh, you know, I guess people like us <laughs> wondering, it's like, well, what were they thinking? Yeah. I mean, they, they, could, they couldn't keep a timeline or something up in an office?
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a well-plotted drama. Yeah. But yes, darkness cast a giant red shadow, and Al came to and he had two kids and was selling shoes. It was the wife age.
5: Yes. <laughs>
1: Oh, God.
5: Yeah, so a giant red shadow. And, uh, yeah, Al, probably not a good idea to confess he never wanted kids in front of your
4: own kids. Yes, I thought that was interesting. I don't want Buck to get old and senile.
6: A pumpkin, sweetheart, let me explain the aging process to you. I, too, was a young man. Um. <laughs> young enough to score four touchdowns in a single game. Then darkness cast her giant red shadow over the land. It was the wife age. And he thinks I'm getting old. I never wanted children. I wanted to just work on car engines and make kissing sounds when women walked by me. The wife never shared my dream.
4: I never wanted children, and they're sitting on either side of him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I you know I've heard one of my uncles say that about uh, my cousins you know oh
2: it,
1: in front of them too ouch yeah. he said listen I just want you to know something you ruined my life but it's not your fault it's your mother's fault
2: <laughs>
1: oh. oh it just gets better ouch <laughs> so to me that I mean that's I mean that's uh, not even uh, I, I mean that's uh, li- uh, life imitating art or actually the other way around because I know my uncle's not a married for children fan I was going to so. ask is he a fan
4: of the show <laughs> no.
1: Wow. Uh, his, line was, uh, his line was, you know, when I was young, it was like I was single, like I had money, I had my hair, you know, I had a nice car. It's like now I got no money, I got no hair, and I got two kids.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of so, Homer Simpson too. It's like, oh, why can't I have no kids and three money? <laughs> three kids and no money, why can't I have no money and three? Why can I have no kids and three money?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think that's really what resonated. I mean, this show, I think, really resonated with people. People could relate to that because it's like, you know, the, the average person doesn't have their dream job, right? Where like you're making, you enjoy what you do, you're making a ton of money and you could do it like, you know, you have to like work and sort of slave and live life and, you know, try to, Make ends meet, etc. So, I think like, that's really what made the show resonate with a lot of people because they could relate to it. Definitely. And, you know, Jefferson calls uh, Al <laughs> Father Teresa.
4: Yes. Yes. Yeah, she was still alive back then, of course. Um, yeah. She passed away in 1997. It was just a few days after Princess Diana died.
5: Yeah, literally uh, five days after uh, Princess Diana passed away.
4: Mm, but all the news wanted to focus on Diana.
5: That's right. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't remember either of them passing away. I was only six.
4: <laughs> I remember both, but.
1: Uh, I, I remember Diana passing uh, more so than uh, Mother Teresa, just like you said, uh, Annabelle, just because I think all of the news coverage at the time was focused on Diana.
4: Yeah, yeah. She, it was unavoidable. And because I, I, that's one of the, the, the big events that I remember where I was when I heard it, because I was in the car, in the backseat of the car, we're driving home or driving somewhere. It's like, oh, Princess Diana's died in a car accident. So that sort of stuck with me. Ouch. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, Mother Teresa. I mean, everyone knows who she is, but she's now honoured in the Catholic Church as Saint Teresa of Calcutta. She was a Roman Catholic nun and missionary. She was born in what is now the north, the capital of North Macedonia, then part of the Cossack villiet of the Ottoman Empire. She moved to Ireland and then to India, where she lived for most of her life. And just... Um, On a personal note, my husband's mother met Mother Teresa once when she was over in India doing work for her. Wow. Very cool. cool.
1: Does she have any relics?
4: I don't think so. And um, (laughs) yeah, certainly nothing that got passed down to us, but (laughs) I should ask William to say, oh, she got anything else? But they traveled very simply, so they wouldn't have been able to bring a lot of stuff back or anything like that. Well, I'm, I'm saying, you know, maybe uh, she'll be like the
1: man who met Andy Griffith. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so she'll be the woman who met uh, Mother Teresa, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: so now we're in Antoine's Under the L. Oh, sorry. I better mention that Buck actually takes Al's gift from the couch, thinking it's a bone, because that will prove that he's not going senile. Of course.
7: I've got to prove to him that I'm not senile. I know. I'll bury a bone. That'll show him. Now, if I can just find a bone... Oh, uh, excuse me, madam. Ah, oh, there's a bone. Now, to take it to the backyard. Have you stop following me?
4: And nobody notices that Buck has taken this thing and run away.
5: No. while Buck keeps bumping into inanimate objects like the sofa and the table and thinks they're dogs or people or something living.
4: Hmm. Pardon me, madam.
5: Yeah, so notice that too. Uh, Poor Buck.
4: Yeah, poor thing. So the present's gone and nobody knows. So now we arrive at Antoine's Under the L. And I, I assume this is how women who don't marry shoe salesmen live, right?
5: Yeah, I've, so I've heard.
4: So,
0: this is how women who didn't marry shoe salesmen live. <laughs> and it only gets better. We're starting with a Tibetan sensuous massage with cactus fronds. <laughs> is that good for you? <laughs> oh, it's great. It takes off the first four layers of dead skin.
1: Now, you know, so I wanted to ask you guys, uh, do, have, have either of you been to a spa? Yeah, you know, for like these types of treatments.
4: Nothing this extravagant, no. Uh,
1: no? Can't say I have no.
4: I've been to something in Thailand. It was <laughs> it wasn't one of those. It was um just a simple like a massage and and um like a pedicure type thing. That was it.
1: Yeah, no, because I'll tell you, like I I do, I do appreciate like a good spa. Mm. You know, uh, like a professional spa. So like, you know, I like to get maybe like a deep tissue massage, maybe like twice a year, and facials you know so i i like to take care of myself like when i have the opportunity nothing with cactus fronds though
4: <laughs> well you don't know what you're missing out on yeah
1: yeah I, I mean like i i definitely uh probably need to get a few uh layers of dead skin taken off of me but uh
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I i don't know if i've ever had like whips and chains or anything like that right <laughs> <To do> that. <laughs> No, this is more Marcy speed, isn't
5: it? <laughs> yeah, more more of a Marcy thing.
1: Now, I mean, generally, like when you get a massage so as a man, like you know, you're, you're you're asked to take every off everything except for your underwear, right?
5: That's correct. Yes.
1: So, so one time, I actually, I was in uh, the Dominican Republic for a wedding, so I was at a very fancy hotel and they had a spa. So I was like, oh, you know, wouldn't it be nice, you know, you know, release some tension, you know, in the back because usually like when I get like a great deep tissue massage, it's like I can stand up straight and, you know, I generally feel great. You know, you sleep well afterwards. So like this, uh, the, the, the massage therapist was very insistent that I stripped completely naked. Oh, and I was like, mm, like, I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, um, I mean, she, she gave me a massage. Like it wasn't, um, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it wasn't in my top 10 massage therapists, but, uh, it was, uh, it was interesting to say the least. I mean, you know, and Peggy in this case, like she's willing to strip down <laughs> for, uh, for both Sven and Chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess Sven, right? Mostly I mean, Sven, really yeah. Not so much Chance, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, she's ready to strip off right there in the middle of the entranceway. Um... Yeah, I've had a deep tissue massage and it's usually just stripped to the waist. I mean half the I think half of the reason is, you know, access, but also they use your underwear, the band of your underwear, to tuck the towel in. So what was she yes. what was she tucking your towel into, Luigi? Uh, nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was just sort of there like,
4: you know, free to the world. Oh man. Oh, dear. So yes, we meet Sven, um, who's Marcy's, and Charts is Peggy's. And one of the things I was gonna say at the start was, guys, are you prepared to be pricked?
0: Sven, this is Peggy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Peggy, Sven is
2: mine.
3: Shancia Masser will be with you shortly. Mrs. Oh. Darcy, are you prepared to be pricked? <laughs>
1: Well, I definitely wasn't on on that particular uh, (laughs) massage that I was talking about.
4: (laughs) Uh, But then we meet Chance. Uh, Sorry, what Peggy thinks is Chance is actually Dave, and he's straight, like, wow, and he runs the gift shop. And Peggy, is celibate, and it's her anniversary. So he turns the charm on, and he sees a good opportunity, and so that's just step into my office, ma'am. Yes. So he starts pitching we meet chance and he's not as good looking as Fanless to be fair <laughs> uh but he's he's a and it's like uh, he's gonna are you gonna join your friends in pleasure
5: <laughs> pleasure doesn't sound like marcy's in pleasure does it
4: no I, th- I think marcy would have been more into it but you know yeah
1: and you know and what i think is you know i mean this is to me like the joke that you know married with children is talking about it's talking about how you know, you can turn on any television. I imagine it's the same in Australia. And it's like, oh, like buy this cream and it will, you know, smear away the wrinkles. Mm -hmm. It will get take away your, um, you know, sunspots, you know, uh, buy this pill and, you know, it'll make you feel 10 years younger or or something like that. And I think like, that's the joke here. It's like, well, (laughs) you know, like Dave says it's like have this toner that could give you the same glow without the pain, right, and then she hears you know the the pain. not that either of these therapies are going to make you younger by the, you know on their own, but this is sort of like what the whole beauty industry is based on, right
4: yeah, totally yeah a, it's a lot of it's bullshit and and, and clever marketing, so Art and Curly are wiping off Buck's paws. yes, because he can't fly around the room, and Al walks in. Look what daddy rented for eight dollars.
6: Did it come with the the matching Urkel glasses? (laughs) Laugh all you want.
2: (laughs) Shut up!
6: Now,
4: the money I saved, I was able to buy your mother this. (laughs) He's wearing a suit that's too short. And it's got Farquhar's formals written on the back. And that's got to be a reference to another Married with Children uh, crew member, Ralph yeah. R. Farquhar. And he served as, he was a producer, a writer, creative consultant, and executive story editor for Married with Children. Editor.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to take a pause here and talk about this uh, scene. Mm-hmm. Now, you know... I mean, as we all know, like i'm I'm a big fan. I mean I, i'm I'm definitely not to the caliber of uh, Annabelle, but uh, <laughs> when it comes to like knowing this stuff off the top of my head, but um, this was a very poignant episode for me for a specific reason. and it's actually not for the first time that I watched it either. Uh, I talked about it briefly on my first uh, yep. round table with um, uh, uh, Stephen and Tyler. Uh, before uh, we had the switch over with Alex uh, back at the end of uh, season seven. So it just so happened on my parents' 25th wedding anniversary, which was July of 1998. I was watching Married with Children on TV. Yep. So the DVD collection hadn't come out yet and watching the reruns. And it was their anniversary. We were going out to this restaurant, my parents and I have two sisters. Yep. And everyone is getting ready. And which episode is aired that, you know, which episode comes on the TV? This one. I was hysterical laughing and I was like, I was calling over to my dad. I was like, Dad, it's like you need to come in and watch this. It's like, you know, it's like today, you know, like there this is Al Bundy's 25th wedding anniversary. And during my run of watching the show, like I never wanted my parents, I, I never wanted like anyone to watch it with me because it's like I didn't want to have it uh, turned off. But, you know, by this point in time, you know, by the end of the show, I was already in college. So at this, so I was, uh, I was finishing up my, I just finished, finished my second year of uh, college, university, as you guys would say in Australia, right? <laughs> so, so my dad, he was doing something. So he finally entered the living room. Right at this scene, right? Yeah. When this scene came up. So Al's walking in with the Farquhar's formals on his back. And the way I can describe it is, like, he just, like, enters in with, like, this look on his face of, like, disgust. Because he knew, like, I was just crazy, you know, I was crazy about watching this show. And he just looked at it and, like, you know, with his hand, like, it's almost like he shooted it away. It's like, oh, God. It's like, you know, like, this is dumb. And as soon as he sees Al come through that door with that tux- that tuxedo that doesn't fit, he just busts out laughing. <laughs> so I guess I'll talk a little bit about my dad's reactions uh, as uh, we, we go. But it's one of the reasons why I wanted to, th- th- not one of the reasons, this was the reason why I wanted to review this with you. Because I could remember, you know, like watching it with him this day. It was the first time I ever watched... Uh, married with children, with him. And, uh, you know, just to get his reaction, I guess, is the first time, like, watching, like, first-time person, like, looking at it for real. Yep. And uh, it just so happened to have been his 25th wedding anniversary. That's cool. Cool.
4: So, look what Al rented for $8.
5: (laughs) (laughs) No, $8, which reminds me, in Modern Money, so that would be $14.13 $14.13 in Australian money
4: $18.33 bargain
5: i oh, know basically theft
1: <laughs> i mean it probably was that cheap because uh, he was effectively advertising you know the tuxedo rental place yeah
5: backwards <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> if you remember in rocky right um in the rocky movie like uh, he's got like this um um uh he got the sign for like this uh, i guess it was like a meat place yeah
6: <laughs> hey what the hell is that i trained you to be a fighter and not a billboard i'm doing it for a friend what, what do you get out of it all gets three grand i get the rope shrewd
4: <laughs> <laughs> but bud wonders if it comes with matching urkel glasses <laughs> and that just plants me straight back into all oh, right this is the era of urkel <laughs> Great.
5: Yeah. By the time um this episode aired, Urkel had basically taken over family matters, pretty much.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you've written his full name here. I didn't know his middle name was Quincy.
5: Ah.
4: And um, I'm just wondering if that's a nod to Quincy Jones or or just a a Quincy random M. name.
5: Oh, well, could be. Maybe the creators are a fan of Quincy Me, as played by Jack Cogman in the late '70s and early yeah. '80s.
4: Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I thought maybe Quincy Jones, not just because he's black, but because, um, you know, he's a respected producer. He might have something to do with Family Matters. I don't know. It's but true. maybe they just wanted any name that started with Q. Because I don't even say Steve Q Urkel or whatever it was. But I just remember when he was Stefan. Okay.
5: <laughs> How big was Family Matters here in Australia, Anna? How big was it?
4: Um, well, we we certainly know who Urkel is. And, and ha- like, he, he, he sort of came into the parlance here. He was... Um, if you say Urkel, people know who he is. He was that popular. And the show was it was on, I want to say mid-90s. It was on fairly regularly. And also they brought it back in 1998 when they burned off the last season of Married with Children here. So they would show Family Matters and then Married with Children on a Saturday night on in 1998. So I've got a couple of ads here and there. It would be like, you know, marriage, uh, Family Matters followed by Married with Children and then there were shows season 11 of Married with Children. And yeah, because I, I certainly watched Family Matters. I, I sort of remember all the characters. It wasn't just Erka it was also, you know, um, Reginald Feld Johnson, who played the dad and the mom and um, Laura. They're the sort of the main ones I remember anyway.
1: That's right. And you know, and that was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. That's right.
4: Yes. Yeah, another show that, that did get aired here, but it was not popular enough to garner any sort of rerun ability kind of thing so that was sort of on when it was originally on and i if it, it's been run rerun since i don't know and i think it has but um i think family matters has more of a chance of being rerun than perfect strangers
5: agreed i, I did see perfect strangers and reruns in 2013 when i was in a uh, hospital having my teeth fixed so it has been a reruns um in australia okay. at least um a few years ago
1: yeah well, you know what i'll say is like i i I remember perfect strangers. I remember like when it first came on the air and I watched it, I watched, I think I watched its entire run. I thought it was, it was grid. Uh And then I watched family matters because it spun off from perfect strangers. But I think like once Urkel became a, um, a mainstay on the show, like I stopped watching it just because it felt like it was a repeat of the whole thing. It was like, okay, like the, the nerd kid like does something Right, you know the the dad yells at him mm. right there's a a resolution at the end of the show, and that's it, yeah, you know and and it was like it just kept repeating and repeating and repeating, yeah, and you, you know it's like uh, a... but the thing is is that I just amazed at how popular it was, and the show itself also like I felt like devolved, <laughs> not evolved devolved like in other words, like they actually the show like in its first season was. More about, you know, this character of um, the mom, right? Yep. It was the mom who was the elevator operator on Perfect Strangers. And it's like, what's the life like of her family? And then all of a sudden it's like, well, it's just, it's now just talking about, you know, this wacky Urkel kid, you know, neighbor. Yep. And, and his antics. And it's like, eh. It sounded it looked more like a Nickelodeon type of show to me like at that point than like actually a show about a family. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like or like, like family dynamics and that that's what I didn't really uh that's why I didn't watch it much after the fa- after uh, Urkel, uh became the prominent character.
5: Yeah, cool.
4: Yeah, very, very silly and then um it's all about ratings it's it's like um good times isn't it with dino might it's sort of a rehash of that um in the vein of you know the the minor character becomes the popular one and then the adults get pissed off and (laughs) either get written out or whatever so yeah i would have been annoyed if i was the mother on that show but still the show was on um so urkel i mean he's gonna get mentioned again (laughs) in this show for sure yes um, and the actor who plays him, Jaleel White, he's actually very nice. And um, I don't mean to dump on Urkel or anything like that, but he was annoying. And the actor's nothing like him. And I've seen him on shows like Dancing with the Stars and, and whatever. He's a nice guy. But he was—he played Steve Quincy Urkel. So yeah, he was originally slated to be a one-time character, only character on the show, and then broke out, like you were saying. <clears throat> so the character is the the epitome. Of the mid 90s nerd, the nerd of the era, all his traits—you know, his his big glasses, high pitched pants um, with suspenders, yep. so <laughs> multicolored cardigan sweaters, saddle shoes, and his annoying voice. But yeah, we're focusing on the pants here. So our uh, bud wonders if it comes with matching Urkel glasses, but it didn't. And with the money that Al saved, he was able to buy Peg this. It's an Abba Zabba, and we don't have those here. So, Luigi, tell us about Abba Zappas.
1: Well, that was interesting because... Uh, so, when I did the notes on this, I didn't know what an Abba Zabba was either. Ah. And this is a candy bar, which seems to be specific and sold out on the west coast of the United States, in California. Uh-huh. A writer living in California talking about pop culture, but referring to something that's in California, and I assume something that would not be sold in Chicago.
2: Abizaba, what won't you? Better buy two.
1: So an Abizaba is a taffy candy bar with a peanut butter center. Like if I had one, I'd probably eat it. That sounds good to me. Uh, Made by the Annabelle (laughs) Candy Company in Hayward, California. I'm rich. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> according to the candy wrapper museum the first abba Zabba bars were manufactured beginning in 1922 by colby and mcdermott uh and before annabelle candy company started manufacturing abba Zabba, the packaging featured racially insensitive imagery and the annabelle candy Company will only say that the wrapper has been the same for as long as they've manufactured it
4: yeah that's not mine okay yeah it sounds good i've never had one um Neither have I. Someone on the west coast of America can tell us what they taste like. Yes. Yeah, perhaps uh, Alyssa. Yeah, because she's in
1: California. Mm. Our, 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 our sometimes uh, guest co-host. She can
4: do a video. Yes,
5: but I've never seen an Abba Zappa in any of the um, uh, American shops or uh, sweet shops here. I've never seen an Abba Zappa in any of those, because you can get American
1: chocolates fairly easy here, Luigi. Like I said, I've never, never myself seen or tasted one. No,
4: if not for this show, I wouldn't have known of its existence. So that's interesting that it's, it's just West Coast, purely a West Coast candy. I, I might be wrong. I mean, maybe one of our, maybe one of our listeners would.
1: Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm looking it up on Wikipedia. It says Abizabas can be found almost exclusively west of the Rockies. There you go. Ah. So, so there you go. So that's why I've never seen
4: it. I think that's interesting though when you point when you find things like that that. Are, say, a Californian writer has written about a Chicago show. I always, I always find that interesting. It's like, oh, we've caught you out here. But mm. Anyway, it's a hairy abazapa and not a white box with a ribbon around it. And that's when Buck realises, uh-oh.
7: No, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, poor Buck.
4: I had it in a white box with a
6: red ribbon around it.
7: Odd. I buried a white bone with a red ribbon
6: around it. I put it right there under that cushion.
7: Uh oh. This won't look good on the old resume. Okay, I'll just go dig it up and put it back where I got it. How easy is
4: that? What am I looking for? Yeah, this won't look good on the old resume.
5: Hey, Buck's got a resume? Huh? What for? <laughs>
4: It's probably when he was touting, uh, trying to get the, uh, the Carson job on The Tonight Show. So, uh, yeah, Buck will just go dig it up and put it back where he got it. How easy is that? Oh, Aww. but he's old and senile.
5: And Al's a bit worried because, um, well, uh, if Al doesn't give the ne- necklace to Peggy, he's going to have to give it to Peggy. And then he's going to have to give it to the kids.
6: If I don't get that necklace, then I can't give it to your mother. If I can't give it to your mother, then I have to give it to your mother.
3: And if
2: I
6: have to give it to your mother, I'm going to give it to you.
7: Well, another mystery solved. I think someone owes someone else an apology.
6: Wait a sec, Dad. Is that the ribbon from the box? Well, that's the ribbon. But the necklace is still gone. I'm going invisible now.
7: <laughs> there. I'm invisible.
4: <laughs> but Buck comes in with the ribbon. He found it in his bowl. Oh, yeah. So now the blame is placed on this poor old senile dog. Yeah. <laughs> and Buck realises that so there. He's now invisible.
5: Oh, yeah. It uh, doesn't work that way, Buck.
4: No, poor Buck. Right, so act two. Al, Kelly, and Bud, they're all yelling at Buck. It's like, go find the boy. They're talking to him like a human. It's like, I don't think he's going to tell us, Dad. Why not? (laughs) He's a dog. Yeah, and
1: the thing is, you know, Al calls Bud a cartoon character. Yes. I would say it's like the pot pot calling the kettle black there.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that in my notes too.
1: (laughs) So did I, yes.
4: So, yeah, they're just going to have to start digging for the necklace.
5: Oh, they will dig a bit. Yes, they'll dig a bit. But then you get back to uh, Peggy, who's still a bit concerned about being refreshed.
4: That's a word for it.
5: Yeah, by chance.
4: So, we've got the Margaret Cho chin wrap. Um, Margaret Cho, she's an American stand-up comedian and actress and a fashion designer, author, singer songwriter. She's pretty best known as a stand up comedian. And she often you know, in her routine she often critiques social and political problems, especially regarding sexuality and race. And she rose to prominence after creating and starring in an ABC sitcom called All American Girl. And I believe that was the first American sitcom to have an Asian family as its as 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 its, as it's family. Um, this is before a more recent show fresh off the boat for example and she became an established stand-up comedian stand-up comic in subsequent years and she's still around oh yeah and we've got the rosewood f- paddle fanny Toner. <laughs> <laughs> fanny Toner means something different in australia
5: yeah 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 yeah, about to say, uh, pretty sure, some things had to be um, censored or altered for to be aired here, I think, because that word means something different here, the UK, New Zealand, and Ireland, uh, as opposed to the US. I don't know what it means in Canada. I don't know. Not
1: sure about Canada. Yeah, you know, and that's a great question because, you know, I mean, when you talk about language and words, like, how is it that, you know, this one particular word means two different things? Hmm. Like, sometimes, like, you can get, like, when it's close you know what I mean yeah like like in other like in other words with in UK English and American English pants in America mean mean what a UK person would say is trousers yes right? whereas you know in the UK pants means underpants or underwear right but you can tell like the word is close so why is a fanny Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, two, two different things.
5: Yeah, exactly. So just to clarify, uh, so it means bottom in the US and Canada, but it means women's privates uh, in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Ireland, South Africa, and presumably most of the Commonwealth.
4: Yeah, I, I remember there was um, some very mild contra- controversy when the nanny started showing here, and, the th- and every time the, the theme song, song says... <laughs> She was walking in a bridal shop in Flushing Queens
0: till her boyfriend kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes.
4: What was she to do? Where was she to go? She
0: was
2: out on her fanny.
4: Like, there was a like, little bit of discussion of, oh, well, we have to change that, where people know what it means, kids aren't going to know, and then it just sort of died down because everyone soon found out that Americans call fanny something else.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, so let me ask you this question about the specific word. So, like, the first time you're listening to it as an Australian, like, so the first time you, if you can remember watching this, it's like, does that give you, like, shock value?
4: A little bit. Uh, It was sort of like fanny. It was sort of more confusion, a little bit of shock, sort of 90% to 10% shock. It's sort of like, huh, fanny? They can say that? Does that mean, what does that mean? Oh, that must mean something. Maybe that means something different. That's how I take it, anyway. Okay. Yeah,
1: no, like like what I mean is like, you know, okay, watching something, I mean, if it's not dubbed, you know, yeah. for example, in Australian English or like, or or it's changed, or is it edited? I, I guess that's the question. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't edited. Like, is that, cons- is, is that considered like a four-letter word? No. Uh, like on television in Australia? Now? No, not
4: really. It might be, oh, see, I'm trying to think of an example if it's ever been censored here, but I don't think so. Well, not now anyway, because people know... That it's an Americanism, and they might say, "Oh, they've mentioned their fanny," and then they'll clarify, "Oh, we're talking about an American fanny," you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But no, I don't recall it ever being censored, to my knowledge. Shame here. No, because like I say, they would have censored the nanny theme song every time when it first aired. I think that went a big, uh, that went a long way of desensitising it, and people realising, oh, okay, it means the Americans are funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, <laughs> kooky Americans, <right? laughs> all those wacky Yanks, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <yep. laughs> <laughs> so, and um, the Margaret Cho chin wrap, the Rosewood, the Rosewood paddle fanny toner, and the Tommy Lee Jones crater Spackle.
3: Okay, let's see what we've got. The Margaret Cho Chin Wrap, the Rosewood Paddle Fanny Toner, and the Tommy Lee Jones Crater Spackle. <laughs>
1: well, it doesn't work much on him, though. <laughs>
4: When's the last time we saw Tommy Lee Jones in something? Is uh, he still working, I, I assume, but I haven't seen him in much since the Men in Black film, so I don't know. But he's, a, he's an American actor. He was born in 1946, so he's little, a, few, a few months younger than Ed O'Neill. He's an American actor, director, producer, and screenwriter. He's received four Academy Award nominations and won Best Supporting Actor for his role in the 1993 film The Fugitive. And other notable starring roles include the TV miniseries Lonesome Dove, Agent K in the Men in Black film series and No Country for Old Men and as the villain Two-Face in Batman Forever. I, uh, I saw him
1: in uh, that movie came out maybe co- just a couple of years ago, Ad Astra. I remember watching it last year on cable. Yeah.
4: Right. Okay, so he's yeah, still working. So he's, his,
1: his, his, car- his career is uh, still alive and kicking.
4: Excellent. <laughs> That's good. And we don't know what his skin routine is, but it seems to work okay for him. So, yeah, a whole lot of um, popular culture references there. Which comes to
3: $300. But for you, Peggy, I'm going to take off 15%. (laughs) Then add 15 for gratuity, which brings us to... Well, let's just round this off to $300.
0: (laughs) Do you people make any
3: money? Mrs. Bundy, it's getting late. It's time for your Mexican pepper facial and spine pool.
6: <laughs> Very refreshing.
4: And Chance wants, to, wants Peggy to come out and actually get serviced, so to speak. Um, it's time for her Mexican pepper facial and spine pool, which... Wow. I was, I was just trying to picture... <laughs> how that went down but I don't think I want to know that's one of those things that's best left to your imagination I think
1: I think so too I figured they put Marcy on a rack or something like that
4: yeah that's sort of what I'm picturing <laughs> so Peggy Peggy gives Chance five dollars and says here go get yourself some pogs here's five bucks go get yourself some pogs jeez
3: thanks Mrs. Bundy uh. <laughs> alright Dave show me more what's in that bag Oh, that's just my new line of cosmetics. Uh, But it's only for celebrities. What's your favorite TV show? Oprah. What a coincidence. Oprah uses this line.
0: Oh, oh, please. I must have that.
3: Oh, and so you shall.
4: And that sent me back to the (laughs) 90s. Yeah.
1: And then that was so, so specific. I mean, I feel like pogs lasted no more than three years. Two to three. Years. If that. It was a. It was a. Fa- it was a fad. It was. I remember being. I remember being in high school, and you know there were some guys who had these things and would be playing with them like out in the uh, driveway. Yeah. You know, out, outside the cafeteria. I mean, I never. I never played it. I just remember it was like this thing. It was like this daily ritual that they did, and it was for such a small period of time. I remember later that was the hacky sacks. Like they, you know, they would be playing with their. When I was in college, I'd see a lot more people playing with those uh, the sacks with their feet. Yes. but pogs was such a short period of time, so like they they literally nailed it right like right when it was happening, and then it just disappeared.
4: Yeah, yeah, because I I think I had some pogs, but again, it's one of the we look at it in hindsight, and that's one of those references that makes me think of other pog references, and I was just thinking of the Simpsons when Millhouse has some Pogs and he says, remember Alf? He's back in Pog form. Pog form.
2: <laughs> I'm really sorry. I kind of traded your soul to the guy at the comic
4: book store. But look, I got some cool Pogs. Alf Pogs. Remember Alf? He's back in Pog form. That's the only <laughs> other reference I can think of, Pogs. But Pogs, they're... Gener- generically called milk caps, and they're a game that was popular, like you said, during the early to mid '90s. And so the the POG is a brand name, is owned by the World POG Federation.
5: Wow! I don't know why that makes
4: me laugh, but it's got its own federation. The name POG originates from P O G, a brand of juice made from passion fruit, orange, and guava. So it's the POG bottle caps. ...that We used to play this game, proceed the game's commercialisation. Until, until these notes, I can't say I ever knew that Pog stood for that.
5: No, same here. I have no idea what it's still for at all until tonight. You learn something new every day, truly.
4: You really do. Same here. So, what's Peggy's favourite TV show?
5: Oh, oh dear. Uh, Oprah, I think.
4: What a coincidence! Oprah uses this line of products that Dave has. No way! Yeah, and so Peggy must have it.
1: Yeah, and and by the way, you know that Oprah lives in Chicago.
4: Yes, yeah. Yes. That's why she was mentioned so often, I thought. One of the reasons.
1: Uh, not yeah, well, well, I mean, I think it was one of them. I just think that she was, you know, the, the most popular women's talk show host, you know, of the time. Oh, definitely. But, but um, you know, they really never make reference to, like, I mean, if you think about, like, Peggy Bundy living in Chicago, like... <laughs> Like trying to meet Oprah, like that could have been a storyline. Yes, right? because it's not like she had to fly to California or fly to New York or exactly or something. Like like she was there. You know, I spent a lot of time in Chicago, and uh, someone told me it's like where like Oprah lived, and it wasn't too far from where I was staying. So she has like it's right by the lake. So it's like wow, it's like they, they sometimes would see Oprah walking around. It's like okay, you know that's where she lives. <laughs> So, like, like, that's something I'm surprised, like, they never, like, got to that.
5: Yeah.
4: Yeah, again, I think it's the, the Californianess of, they just didn't think about that so much. I mean, that could have been an awesome story, you know, either stalking Oprah or trying to get tickets to her show or something.
1: Oh, well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, I assume Oprah Winfrey would never want to be on the show because they pander so much, but uh, at least, you know, try to have a storyline where Peggy is trying to, see Oprah or runs into Oprah if she goes into like the city center of Chicago. Right. Mm.
4: Well, I'm, I'm thinking now I'm like wondering maybe they, they've asked her and she either didn't want to, or it it couldn't work out in some way, you know, filming between the two cities. But you just reminded me that again, I think it's when Christina Applegate, no, it was um, David Faustino was on Oprah a few years ago after his daughter was born. It was basically a where are they now with, I think it must have been Oprah because they showed a flashback to a scene, a footage of Peg sitting on the couch from 1993 talking about Oprah, like to the TV audience, but in character as Peg. And it was, it was specially shot for Oprah's show. We
0: asked hilarious TV mom, Peg Bundy, what her fantasy dream day would be.
4: My dream day would
0: begin as I roll out of bed at the crack of lunch. (laughs) Then I do my stair exercise. I walk downstairs. (laughs) Then I find out it's touchy-feely day at Chippendales, and I spend the next few hours shoving my husband's paycheck down the already straining Speedos of men I all call Al, just in case I talk in my sleep. (laughs) Those Bundys were one of America's favorite dysfunctional families. Married with Children was a huge hit on Fox for 11 seasons, and may peg and al and kelly and bud household names the show was cancelled in 1997
4: remember the context because obviously i did not see this at the time this is something they showed um in 2015 and it was new footage i hadn't seen of peg talking either about oprah or just talking to the tv audience but it was filmed for oprah's show so the two have actually collided in some way so i'm just wondering if they couldn't make that happen on married children itself So, now I'm wondering what else is there, you know? Yeah, Interesting. Anyway, Peggy's buying more crap. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not crap, obviously. It's (laughs) special products. Well, it's someone's lunch.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Albacore, right? Albacore, Uh, Albacore yeah, delicious.
4: (laughs) It it might be great for your skin, I don't know. But anyway, we come back to the Bundy backyard... And they're 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 digging up the yard, we're well, starting to anyway. And you know they think they hit something, not Al's foot, but no, it's this. It's it's either the fruit cake that Grandma Wanker gave them last Christmas, or it's the black box from Al's wedding night. <laughs>
2: but,
1: <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> I mean, because like, you know, like when there's a plane crash, you know, they go recover the black box. Yep. So (laughs) I think that's like the plane crash of Al's life, right?
5: Yeah.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, I think I hit something. That's my foot. (laughs) No, not that. This. What is
6: it? Well, it's either the fruitcake that Grandma Wanker gave us last Christmas... Or it's the black box from my wedding night. <laughs> How pathetic. Grown man burying things in the backyard.
4: <laughs> uh, they say Grandma Wanker gave him fruitcake, but you remember again, back in season two, in the in the Christmas episode, it was Aunt Pooh who had the fruitcakes. So, Right. Uh, yeah, and judging by a little bit later in the episode, we see several fruitcakes that have obviously been found... In, in their diggings. So are they getting one fruitcake from one person or are they getting fruitcakes from two or more people? Probably the, the latter, but...
1: Yeah. What well, well, you know what I wanted to say on this one, Annabelle, is they always, you know, in, in that season two episode, it was Aunt Pooh's cake, fruitcake that had been passed around the whole family. Yes. So I think what happened here was, you know, I'm going to sound like Alex on this one. I think Aunt Pooh made the fruitcake... And it was passed around to Grandma Wanker, and then Grandma Wanker gifted it to Peg and the Peg Allen the kids. Yep. But I think those that, that's an Aunt Pooh fruit cake, because their Peggy's mother, I believe, doesn't cook. She eats, but she doesn't cook. Yes. Just like Peg. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think even she can eat. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder if it has a footprint on it.
4: Yeah, I, I'd wondered that as well. And all the fruit cakes they've dug up. They're all identical. So they're probably from all that from Aunt, Aunt Poo. Unless all fruitcakes look the same, which they might if they've been in the ground for years and years. But if they're Aunt Poo's fruitcakes and they've all been passed around the family and they eventually got to the Bundy's and they just bury it so it doesn't circulate anymore. But somebody was still making them. But like I said earlier, nowadays on these sort of modern, more clear TVs, we can get a better look at these things that are being dug up. And it's not just a cake, and it's not Bud's blow-up doll, which is buried. But uh, we can either say this now or later, but there's other things um, around them that have been dug up. And what made me laugh was the trumpet. I mean, where did that trumpet come from?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there appears to be a baseball bat when you look at it. And I feel like that might have been from the last... Uh... Um, episode when um, Al like stops playing baseball. Uh, what was that? The Unnatural.
4: Oh yes, yep. yep. When he's finished like, with baseball, like, no, that...
1: yeah. Right. So like, there's that. I mean, we count like about a dozen fruitcakes
4: at least. I counted at yeah. least
1: at least that much. So we have a lot of many years of fruitcakes. There was an item all the way at the right, which I couldn't make out.
4: There's there's a kid's bike on the right at the back. But if you're talking about in front of that, I'm not sure. Um. Yeah, and, and mind you, this is we see all of this right at
1: in the in the second shot when they're digging. Like in the first shot, they're digging; it's the smaller hole. Yeah. So you see all of that when it's the larger hole. And and you know, getting back to watching this with my dad in 1998, he wasn't as he wasn't laughing as much with what was happening with Peg and Marcy. But uh, this seems to have tickled his funny bone. Yeah, I think also the rubber, d- the, you know, I, uh, digging up uh, an earlier version of ISIS. I thought that was... Uh, <laughs> yes. But he found that to be very hysterical. Bud.
2: <laughs>
6: bad dog. Bad, bad dog. All right, now, kids. Now, can we focus on my shame? We've got to find this necklace.
4: Come on, Buck, you know where it is. Just show us what you got, boy. On the right, there's, at the back, there's a bike in the corner. And to the left of the bike, the way, uh, from our point of view, there's a round thing I can't make out. And then at the front on the right, it looks to be like a boxing glove, maybe? Maybe. It's it's the same colour as the dirt, so that doesn't help. And then there's a trumpet, there's ISIS, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight at least ten fruit cakes there. Yeah. And then in front of Al's right foot there's what looks to be a bag like a backpack or a knapsack and that's all I can see I think
1: Now I mean all the other stuff I can sort of see but like when when did we ever see a trumpet on Married Richard
4: Exactly I'm like where did that come from is it something that maybe you know Steve had and he, the Bundys took it and buried it in the backyard so it stopped that <coughs> infernal racket or or what I mean Oh yeah, the space will bat there too, and but yeah, because even Steve Steve played a sousaphone, yeah, which is huge. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, a trumpet. I'm just thinking like, yeah, like a passing fad or something. I mean, he yeah, somebody had a trumpet, or maybe there was a door-to-door trumpet salesman, which gives it a bit of a dark quality because there could be a trumpet salesman buried under there somewhere. But no, I think someone, maybe a neighbour, or someone like. Bud, or or maybe Peggy, one of her, like, maybe her her squeeze box is in there somewhere, and she took up trumpet for half an episode that we never saw, and Al took it and buried it in the backyard. Yeah, it would be interesting to hear blow the man down on a trumpet. (laughs) But yeah, the trumpet did crack me up. I'm just like, where? What? How? Why? (laughs) Anyway. So they asked Buck, he's like, come on, just help us, and Buck is just lying there being pathetic. it's like show us what you got boy and we see (laughs) his mother yeah his father
2: (laughs) Buck come into the light it's all goodness and love
7: Useless
5: meat byproduct of a dog's mum.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you, like, is, is that from like a movie or something? Like, Come Into the Light?
4: Yeah, I, I don't know if they're referencing something in particular.
1: They did this in The Simpsons
5: a few years back, of Sanders Santa's little helper, Come Into the Light. So it's something, yeah. that it, it reference to yeah. something.
4: Yeah, like
1: I, I just feel like it's something, you know, like in the recesses of my memory, like whether it's a, a movie or a TV show or something. It's a come into the light.
4: Yeah. I mean, we know what it's referring to, but if where it comes from, I, I don't know what they're quoting specifically.
1: Yeah. And it was weak. I mean, because the thing about that is it just felt, I mean, those two particular scenes felt very weak to me. Oh yeah. Because like it's, we know that Buck is old, right? But, like, like, what are they trying to say? It's like, that, to me, like, didn't make any... Like, those two scenes made no sense at all. You know, I mean, if, if they're referring to, like, maybe that Buck will die soon. Or maybe maybe what they thought was that it was potentially, potentially Buck could die. Mm. Mm. Like, you know, like, soon, because of his age. So maybe they were like, well, we need to, like, film some scenes and just prepare it. Because maybe one day, you know, Buck the dog dies and we can't film anymore.
4: Yeah, that crossed my mind, too. I don't know if they're something... Yeah, I'm not sure... What the reason behind it is. But what I did find is there's a quote like that from the movie The Poltergeist. And this is where we, ne- ah. we need our horror film friends yes. So
2: yes. that 1982
4: film Poltergeist, which I haven't seen for a long time. But there's a, there's a quote in there. It's, run to the light, Carol Run as fast as you can. Mummy's in the light. Mummy is waiting for you in the light. So I don't know if that's... Probably it it, but that's yeah, all I can uh, find. I, I think
1: Alex, Alex and Jamie would be all over. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
4: I don't know if they still listen to the podcast, but, you know, they can tell us. Uh, I feel like someone like Wild, Mr. Wildcat would, would say, yep, that's definitely the poltergeist or something, you know, some sporting reference okay. or something.
1: <laughs> okay, Carl, that's your challenge if you're listening.
4: Yeah, he's on it. So, yeah, yeah, two very odd scenes otherwise. So we come back to Peg, and she's got the Plum Essence Eye Toner, the albacore and mayonnaise pore rejuvenator, and the famous Amos facial disc.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Plum essence eye toner, the albacore and mayonnaise pore rejuvenator, <laughs> and the famous Amos facial disc. So, are,
1: are you, do you guys have the famous Amos cookies? I know. No. No, no, we don't Australia? have them.
4: I do know them, but I don't, we don't have them here now.
1: Okay. <laughs> Just, uh, you know. Cookie brand, packaged cookie brand. That's the way of describing. Yeah, any good,
5: yeah. Luigi? Are they any good?
1: Uh, they're okay. Okay, that is cookies. <laughs> I mean, I like. I mean, like, I, I prefer fresh, like freshly baked. Oh. I'd rather go to a, like a bakery and get something than have like a packaged cookie.
5: Agreed. I mean, Luigi, uh, if you ever make it to Perth, they actually have a New York style um cookie shop here.
1: Ooh. I don't know, Matt. You know, we talk about food too much and, and exchange too many food pictures. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight for the uh, summer here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got
5: another wedding, most likely end of the year, and uh, I should, pro- or, or at least next year, and I uh, should probably um, lose a bit of weight so my suit fits a bit better too.
4: <laughs> just remember, you can eat what you like; it's just counting the calories. <laughs> of course. Right. So, speaking of improving oneself, Marcy's done.
5: Oh yeah, she's in a wheelchair, um, but she's not quite a South Park, um, Timmy from South Park level disabled.
4: I feel so wonderful,
0: so relaxed, so paralysed.
4: You're
3: 20 years younger.
4: Then I'll live with it. (laughs) (laughs) She she feels so relaxed and so paralysed, and I love that she looks exactly the same. Marcy says Peggy smells good. She, she can't see Peggy, but she smells good. And Peg says, yeah, that's, that must be my, my Baby Ruth body balm. And we don't have Baby Ruth either, do we? Uh,
5: we can actually find those here. I found them, You can find them in like uh, American shops and uh, specialty sweet shops here in Perth. I have, I have actually eaten Baby roofs.
4: Okay, yeah. I know of them uh, because yeah. of American TV, and of course. But yeah, I haven't had one. Yeah, no,
1: they're very good. Uh, actually, I had a neighbor who worked for Ferraro, who was the... Um, alright. Ferrero, excuse me, um, was the maker of Baby Ruth, so I used to get samples of all Ferrero chocolates and candies. So,
4: excellent. Very good. So they're they're made of peanuts, caramel, and milk chocolate-flavoured nuka covered in compound chocolate. Well, it it sounds pretty good.
5: It does, yes.
4: So, Peg, I mean, Marcy looks amazing, of course. You know, she feels so wonderful, (laughs) so relaxed, and so paralysed. But she'll take it because she looks twenty years younger. So they can't go get Al's present because Peggy spent all her money on stuff for her. <laughs> wow, she comes up with the well a plan. You know, if, if maybe if she doesn't mention their anniversary, he won't.
0: Shall we go get Al's present? Can't. I spent all his money on stuff for me. <laughs> but it's no big deal. Maybe if I don't mention it, he won't either. Let's go get dressed. Uh, bye, the bye, Sven. Will I be able to walk again?
3: When you look this beautiful, the world will come to you.
4: Oh. <laughs> Am I smiling? I can't feel my face. Oh. So yeah. off they off go. So back to the Bundy backyard and they've been digging for hours and they're not going to find the necklace. But Al's got a couple of plans of his own. Plan A, he drives to the jewelry store, steals a necklace and shoots his way out and gets back before Peg gets home. I don't think
6: we're going to find the necklace. No problem. I've still got two plans. Plan A, I drive to a jewelry store, steal a necklace, shoot my way out, (laughs) and
1: get back here before your mom gets home. And that, you know, that tickled my dad's funny bone. (laughs) You know, like that whole thing, because it's like, you know how you mentioned earlier about your parents, Annabelle? Mm -hmm. You know, like my dad normally would like forget things like Valentine's Day or like a birthday so you know one of the jobs that uh, my sisters and I had as kids was like to remind him of these things it's like oh you know like today is Valentine's Day mm-hmm. no it would be no it would be like you know what today is he's like I don't know is it somebody's birthday <laughs> <laughs> it's Valentine's they would say it's Valentine's Day He's like oh shit he's like you know what go buy fl- mother flowers and I'll give you money when I get home you know? I remember like it was a little ritual we had for a few years when he had be- when he had a beeper. Hmm. Right, <laughs> so this is—it's uh it's very reminiscent. So I think, like you know, from his perspective at 25 years being married, like he could think of this, right? It's like, oh shit, it's like I forgot to get her something for 25th anniversary, you know? Yeah. Like, what's your what's your inner dialogue telling you, you know, as a married man? It'd be like, oh, drive to the jewelry store, right? <laughs>
4: <laughs> need something
1: need to get there before it closes, right?
4: Yeah, I. I- Uh, I'm not a married man, but I totally relate to it, as I was saying, because uh, I usually had to be the one. My dad would be like, he he would give me money and say, can you buy something? Because he would remember the anniversary, but he wouldn't know what to buy at all. Oh. Uh, And interestingly, um, friends of ours who were at our wedding, Matt, um, uh, I won't say their names, but they just had their 25th wedding anniversary. And the husband, he remembered, but it was sort of last minute and he'd sort of realized, again he just said oh shit and to his daughters said look here's some here's my card go buy that bag she's been wanting or whatever it was and made the daughter do it the oldest daughter do it because she knows exactly what the bag is it was a louis vuitton bag so this is pretty pretty major it's like oh god what can i get her Oh shit! I have no option but to get her this very expensive bag. So she got the bag that she's been wanting for a while, because the husband <laughs> forgot until the last minute to buy her an anniversary present for their twenty-fifth. So, like, I
1: was—I'm pretty good with dates, so like, I don't forget things like this. So, my question to you, Annabelle,
4: now as a married woman, like, uh, what's uh, William's uh, memory like? What's William's memory like? Yeah. Well, he just walked into the room and he's giving me the thumbs down. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, his memory can be very good. It can also be interesting. <laughs> but he knows, he knows our anniversary. He knows my birthday, even though he had to get the date right the first couple of years because, it you know, my birthday is December 6th, and he was the 5th because it rhymes with Sith. So he thought it was the 5th, but it's actually the 6th.
1: All right. So getting it a day early, well, that's not bad. No,
4: he's done pretty well. And... um Good. And yeah, he knows our anniversary. But now that we have two anniversary dates, three days apart, if that makes sense, because our wedding didn't fall on our actual anniversary day. It's actually three days later. So now I don't know if we go by the first anniversary or the second anniversary, the actual wedding anniversary, or probably the latter. But we don't, we don't really celebrate Valentine's Day because I'm not really that big on the big commercial holidays. But I think he asked me a while ago, he's like, what's the order of, of preference for you for like, you know, special days kind of thing. And I think I said birthday, anniversary, then Christmas, and that was about it. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if that's the order now. It's just, you know, it's just nice to remember those, just the birthday, the birthdays and the anniversaries are sort of the main things. And they're the ones he remembers and he knows. And so his memory's good that way. But sometimes his short-term memory is not great, but... Um, in regards to dates, I think it's pretty good. And he's a man.
1: No, because, no, you know, the other thing I'll just say to what, what you just said, Annabelle, is that usually as a woman, you get to change you get to change the rules as you go along. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: It's like oh, well, the order is like one, two, three. <laughs> then it's like well, it's two, two three, one. You
4: know, yeah, three, I can, can or... spring that on you like what? You didn't tell me what. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And here's a special one, number four A that we <laughs> can throw in there too.
5: <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm still very much single, but uh, my memory for dates is excellent. So uh, I'll never forget your your enniv- your wedding anniversary, Anna. That's for sure. I'll never forget that day.
4: Well, I'm not surprised. A, you're very good with dates, <laughs> and B, you were there. <laughs>
5: Yeah, and hey, um, with no bias, it was one of the best weddings I've ever attended.
4: Oh, sweet. William Matt just said our wedding was one of the best weddings he's ever attended. Thumbs up. Oh, good. And he's gone. Anyway, so yeah, we can't get ours. Peggy can't get Al's present because she's spent <laughs> all her. probably all his money. So it is his money. All his money on stuff for Peg.
5: Yeah, $300 worth of beauty products, or modern-day money, $529.91. In Australian money, $687.49. So that's a lot of money for Peggy to just blow on beauty products.
4: Yes, but I can see how it can be done, especially when she's been it into it like that. And I know Peggy's got a weakness for shopping, and she's good at it, but is she really this gullible?
1: <laughs> yeah. Usually she's the... Um... She's the more sharp of the family, right? Like mm. like Al, Al can be a bit of an oaf. Like you know, he plays the trope of like, you know, the absent-minded dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, unless like I mean, but I mean he has his moments of brilliance from time to time, like for example, Impudent. Yes. It's usually Peggy who is much more manipulative and knows how to control, the, you know, that whole family dynamic.
4: Yeah, which is it's just why why I'm asking. I mean, she's it's sort of, it might be contributing to the dumbing down of the characters in later seasons, or like I said, shopping is her weakness and she likes to spend money, especially money that's not hers and belongs to her husband. So anything, she'd be like, okay, give it to me. But I was just wondering, is she, is she getting dimmer or is it just, she's, she's in a spell of shopping?
1: You know, I, you know, I had mentioned that the P's wife, she was like, the, you know, the P's were really like caricatures of the Bundys, like they were more outrageous. yeah. ...than the Bundys. It's almost like Peg became the... Uh, pa- I guess her name was Patty, Yes. right? Was the wife? Patty Pease? She became more Patty Pease-ish... Mm. ...than Peg Bundy-ish, like, you know, like in this episode, right? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah and... Uh, yeah, again... <laughs> ...they're cartoon characters, like Al said.
5: Exactly, yeah.
4: So, yeah, that was Al's plan. Plan A was to rob the jewelry store, but... ...nope, Peg's already home. Plan B lie down in the hole, and they'd bury him. And then... Plan B, I lay down in the hole,
6: you're covering me up with dirt. <laughs> What's that? Daddy, please don't kill yourself? <laughs> oh, well, maybe Peg forgot about our anniversary. I mean, it's not a topic that'd be on Oprah or Geraldo. <laughs> I know. Maybe if I don't say anything, she won't. But if she does, I can count on you two to kill me, right? You can count on us, Dad. <laughs> Good. Then that's present enough for this, my one billionth anniversary.
4: <laughs> you were like, well, maybe he comes up with, with the same plan, plan that Peg did. If, if he doesn't say anything, maybe she won't. Exactly.
5: Uh, and also, he, re- he remembers that anniversaries aren't exactly featured in Oprah or Geraldo.
1: Yes. A- and you notice that, actually, Al said Geraldo yes. instead of Geraldo. Yes. And he's mentioned Geraldo's name before. Yes,
4: because that bothered me too.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know what that was about, or maybe just like, he, they're just... They were trying to say, it's like, well, you know, you don't watch these shows, so that's what you see, so call them Geraldo this time. Yeah. Yeah, I,
4: yeah. that sounds plausible.
1: Yeah, and I'll say, you know, my dad got big laughs on this, too, um, that whole section, especially when he said, this is my one billionth anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, because I, I think, like, that was – now, mind you, they're coming up on their 50th anniversary in two years, so married 48 years. Wow. Wow. So it's just interesting. You know, I mean, again, 1998 was a long time ago, right? <laughs> In retrospect. So, yeah, 25 years have almost uh, come to pass. Yeah.
4: Wow. And when you think about it, Al and Pegg would have been married for 50 years if we go by that 1971 timestamp. So yeah. this this would be their 50th anniversary at most, I presume. Yeah. Right. Crazy. And we we know they would still be together. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And you know, like, um, I I know, like, uh, you guys have talked about, you know, married with grandchildren, Mm -hmm. like that whole concept that, you know, and I said a long time ago, like, I feel like I I, I can't see a series, like, in other words, picking up and do a 26 episode season, I could see a special. And to me, it's like, if you were going to do a special, like, I could see a 50th anniversary, like, you know, as one concept this it's like what is it like for the bundies to have been married for 50 years you know but the problem is then is like what like what is it what could they explore in that you know in that storyline that hasn't been explored before yeah
4: yeah exactly it'd be you know non-stop marriage jokes which are funny but it's it's gonna feel very repetitive um Yeah, I I think I've said before I don't see any potential reboot being a series at all. I would like maybe one really well-written one-off special or, you know, like a two-part special or something like that or even, you know, a very, very, very limited series of no more than six but certainly not a a season of old-school years. Um, It'd have to be something very well-written um, with enough content to stand on its own and also have enough references to the past. I mean, we could get way into it again I don't want to. But I completely agree with you what you're saying, Luigi.
5: Yes, yes. Uh, I'd be in favour of just a special or two, not a whole series as well. Um, well, for starters, I'd I'd want to make sure Michael G. Mo- Michael G. Moyer wasn't was involved.
4: Oh, definitely. So yeah, we. Again, another reference to Oprah, again, another reference to Geraldo or Geraldo. <laughs> um, so Al dashes inside, jumps onto the couch, hand down the pants, just in time for Peg to come in. Uh, so, what did you do today? Oh, nothing. What did you do today? Oh, nothing. <laughs> uh, hi, Al. Hi, Peg.
0: <laughs> you watching TV? Yep. <laughs> Don't you think you should turn it on? <laughs> nope.
6: <laughs> so, pig. What'd you do all day?
0: Oh, nothing. Went out with Marcy, spent a bunch of your money, you know, same old, same old. <laughs> what'd you do today? Uh,
6: nothing. Rent a tuxedo. Dug up the yard <laughs> <laughs> uh, same old, same
2: old.
5: <laughs> well, Al was noticeably dirty on his billionth anniversary after he gets the blessing of his kids to kill him and he's watching a turned off TV. Yeah,
4: like it's now one billionth anniversary. Yeah, uh uh Luigi, my, my mother's seen this episode and she laughed at that too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess that's what happens, like when you get into decades of being married, huh?
4: I guess so. <laughs> decades. So, yeah. <laughs> also, what made her laugh was, um, "Are you watching TV?" Yes. Don't you think you should turn it on? <laughs> 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 nope.
1: Maybe that's like remember uh, when Peggy turns three hundred?
4: Yeah, I was watching TV and it's not. When it snapped, yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I think like my, my my, the line that gets me at the end is what he says it's like hey Al you want to go upstairs he says why not I'm already dirty <laughs> <laughs> yeah
4: because <laughs> they agree that it's nice to have an absolutely nothing out of the ordinary kind of day isn't it amazing they're both thinking that and they agree and they yeah quite willing to go upstairs But it's not for anything special. No, no, no. So they go upstairs and just in time for Buck to come in with the necklace. And I don't know where Bud and Kelly are at this point. Maybe they dropped the spades and wandered off. But Buck found the present in his bowl. He didn't bury it after all. And now we meet Buck's girlfriend. So Buck can't be all that old and senile. He's He's still got a girlfriend. And it's their second anniversary. Isn't that cute?
5: Second anniversary in dog years, perhaps?
4: Yeah, I don't know if it's dog ears or human ears, but they're dogs and they're talking, so let's go with dog ears.
5: May as well with, uh, oh, what's her name? Oh, Buck, you're not that senile. Oh, come on, you should know her name. <laughs> I found the necklace. I didn't bury
7: it. It was in my bowl. <coughs> Odd no one spotted it under the two pieces of kibble. <laughs> guys? Guys?
2: Buck, don't tell me you forgot our second anniversary.
7: Forget? Uh, why no? Uh, uh.
2: BB! Of
7: course, I uh, didn't recognize your face. I so rarely see this end of you.
2: Well, did you get me anything?
7: Did I get you anything?
2: I'm so happy.
4: He
1: only recognises her from behind.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So rarely Uh. sees this end of her. (laughs) Buck has some dirty lines.
1: (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Makes you wonder how they got that one past the sentence. Yeah.
2: (laughs)
4: And again, I mentioned a few times for season nine is this is uh, originally when I first got season nine on tape as in to keep, um, they aired in, in England pre-Watershed. So they would cut out little references and, and lines here and there, but they did not cut out this line from Buck. And I think maybe it's because it's from a dog and they didn't expect him to say like anything like that, or they just didn't get it. and It just went completely by them. But I was, I was stunned that that was still in the episode when there's there was other little references that were taken out here and there, but not this one. So yeah, Buck Buck gets lucky, and uh, yeah, BB goes upstairs and Buck finds him, and it's like, now he remembers. And they call now. him senile.
2: <laughs>
4: so that's the end of the episode, and we will then dive into the reviews.
0: No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast." Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at
4: gmail.com.
0: Thanks for checking out this review.
4: So, Matt, how many yeah. of Aunt Pooh's fruitcakes are you going to find digging, digged up, dug up in the backyard for this episode?
5: Okay, well, personally, I'll be very offended if anyone buried fruitcake in my backyard because I love fruitcake, especially with a, bit of, a nice bit of uh, Wednesdaydale cheddar cheese on it. But, uh, well, I just found three and a half, um, hopefully still edible fruitcakes in my backyard um, for this episode. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still enjoy this episode like most episodes of this show. Emphasis on the vast, most, of the vast majority of them. But just, um, for me, uh. It's, it's not quite a gold tier episode. Uh, it's still enjoyable, but um, obviously the continuity areas push pushed down a bit. And, uh, well, I mean, I, I, my favourite bit of the story was probably the whole Buck being seen and when Al and Ke- <laughs> Kelly and Bud digging up the yard looking for the um, anniversary gift. So, uh, yeah. So... But I think we get to the point of the show where they're starting to recycle a lot of things as well, like I mentioned Oprah again. Uh, so yeah, still still enjoyable, but uh, yeah, so just yeah, just dragged down a bit for me by the whole inconsistency of the anniversaries and stuff. I know, it shouldn't bug me as much, but uh, yeah, so overall, still decent enough, ri- decently enough written episodes, still decently funny, but just uh, three and a half fruitcakes in my backyard. Please still be edible, and uh, hopefully I can reuse them this Christmas.
4: Very good. So, Luigi, how many fruitcakes are you going to find while digging up the backyard for this episode? Well, I think
1: I will be digging up three fruitcakes for this episode. Um, I'm usually like a three and a half guy for a standard episode. I wasn't as happy with it, and you know, I've sort of hinted at it as we've gone along. I mean, again, it's funny, like, I laugh. Um, I'll always remember this episode as the one I watched with my dad. And, you know, again, he got a lot of laughs. I think like, um, when we got to the end, you know, the, the scene with the dogs and, you know, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) remember English is not his first language, you know, but when Buck says it's like, he sees the dog's butt and he's like, Oh, I remember BB, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I think he he got a lot of laughs out of that. So I just remember him like laughing hysterically, uh, just because then as soon as the episode ended, we went out to the restaurant, Um, so, uh, I always think fondly of this episode, but critically looking at it, I, I'll say like, it just seemed a little disjointed. Uh, I think it could have, I mean, in the end, I think like with the nice, some of the nice things about it is it's like Al and Peg do profess their love for each other. Like they're thinking about it. I mean, Peggy, I know Christine out in uh, Germany, maybe doesn't appreciate this. I mean, I feel like Peg could have done something more for Al. You know, and it seems like Al's the one. I mean, for, for how misogynistic the character of Al Bundy is, right? I mean, in terms of the way he speaks, he always does profess love for Peg. I mean, he thinks, like, for example, if we go back to 16 years and what do you get? I mean, he's the one who goes and tries to get her the watch, right? And Peggy, I mean, she at least throws a party, but it's not specific. You know, she throws a party thinking that, um, you know, Al's going to get her something but only in reaction to that, right? Here it's like she's got money, she has a plan, but then she just thinks about herself. So I think that that's what makes Al very sympathetic. And I think a lot of men can um, you know, relate to that in terms of it's like maybe as a man, you might not always get everything right in terms of maybe knowing what the perfect gift is, almost like Annabelle, what you talked about with um, the bag, right, that your uh, friend mm-hmm. Uh, A friend's daughter bought, you know, on behalf of uh, the dad. But, I mean, I think Al does really, you know, really tries to do something special for her and show her that he loves her. And, I mean, he's trying to get out of sex with her. But in the end, he has to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like how how it ends. So, like I said, so there's some good parts to it. I think the bad parts to the episode that don't make it a four or five for me is that... It was just too disjointed. I mean, the the jokes uh, or supposed jokes of like you know Buck laying there and like seeing his mom and his dad like I didn't get that at all, and that may have just been a pop culture reference that flew over my head, you know. And I really tr- you know I really try to look into these even if I'm not you know knowledgeable, especially with something if it's horror, if it's a specifically a horror um, movie, uh, uh, you know. Uh, reference, But that's sort of what... Like I said, that to me is like... Doesn't put it in the category of a four or five. But good jokes are, uh, otherwise.
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so, in a butt shell... <laughs> I, too, will give this 3.5 fruitcakes dug up in the backyard. <laughs> because for many of the reasons you both have said um i for, first and foremost it's uh, i like these Al and peg episodes where especially um they you, you know they love each other you know that's very corny but you know i always like it when um their love comes through or they do something nice or try to do something nice for each other or if like you're saying Al it's actually got peg a gift yes there's something in it for him but <laughs> to avoid the sex but he still has to have sex with her and you know they go upstairs arm in arm kind of thing and um it's it's actually kind of sweet and i i i'm, I'm always for that um where it doesn't it, it misses a fruitcake and a half it doesn't get that full five fruitcakes for um it's the reminder that buck is getting old and the end is nigh that's very sad but that's looking in hindsight and knowing what's to come but at the at this point buck is getting very old and he looks quite old too i know they don't brush him on taping days but he's starting to look like an old dog um <clears throat> and his his blurry eyesight certainly doesn't doesn't help um bumping into things just makes me cringe um yeah and there's a there's a ton of pop pop culture references in this episode which is always fun but there's there's a lot of them in this episode and a lot of stuff that we've heard before as well this season and in um, this, in season eight and uh, things we, we'll hear again, which is not a problem per se, but when you start to a- analyse each episode, you realise, oh, these these same things keep getting mentioned again and again. But that's not a deterrent per se. It's just, you know, okay, yep, yeah, we know where we live in. it's the mid-90s now. Yep, yeah, it's going to be a lot more pop, pop-, pop culture references.
1: Yes. And Annabelle, uh, you know, one thing we didn't mention about this episode is that this is the 200th episode in the series.
4: Yeah, well, I wrote that in my notes. Um, Yes, what I will say, um, this is the first episode to be shown after their official 200th episode celebration. Because last week would have been Get the Dodge Out of Hell, followed by The Best of Bundy. But this is the 200th episode to be filmed, to be taped, I should say. And I think the Best of Bundy is actually billed as the 200th episode. So this is in its true episode order, it's probably episode 201, but it is the 200th episode. Um, but it it was made after, yeah, it's sort of one week late, so to speak. Um, so they're celebrating their 200th episode at this time anyway, and that could be part of the reason why they made it their 25th anniversary. Not that it lines up, but it's sort of a nice round number to have an anniversary. I don't know if that played into it at all, but it could.
1: Yeah. No, because, I mean, technically, when Alex reviewed uh, the uh, I'll See You in Court episode, right? (laughs) Like, that, that, at that point in time, had never aired. (laughs) So, I mean, like, I understand why, like, you know... So I guess to our Married with Children podcast fans out there, like you know, uh, sort of the the method to the madness to how we review things is that we're reviewing them in the order that they were aired originally in the U.S., which may not be the same order that they aired worldwide. So if you're in Australia or uh, Germany, for example, I mean they may have done it in production order. I don't know, but you know we we're we're reviewing these as they aired. Sort of week by week. I mean, I think that Alex did a much better job of uh, trying not to foreshadow the future than maybe we do. But I think like from my perspective on this is that, you know, like once we hit the 200th episode, uh, you know, (laughs) it's a great milestone. But I mean, like what we start to see now is like sort of almost like repeats of jokes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, I'm like, and and again, it's like, I mean, I think one of the great things about season nine is the introduction of these new characters because we needed new storylines to get them out of that living room. Otherwise you're just going to have the same jokes repeated over and over again. Great. So, I mean, like, I understand there's a contrast between 16 years and what you get and 25 years and what do you get? But I feel like, you know, for something like 25 years and if they're truly build, billing it as their 200th episode, I feel like it could have really have been written in such a way that they knocked it out of the park. You know, using the elements that are there, but, like, I think working it better. It's not that it doesn't work, but it's not a five. And it's like, you would think that, you know, you would want to come out with guns blazing on an episode like yeah, this. Yeah,
5: you'd think.
4: A bit of a missed opportunity, you think. Yeah. Yeah, because yes. I, I, in the episode before this, in the, in the uh, quote-unquote official 200th episode they mentioned that wanker county is celebrating 200 years and that's something they've made up to reflect the 200th anniversary of the show uh, an episode of the show whereas they could have used alan peg's anniversary for that as well so maybe maybe they did have an idea and they just kept it separate i don't know but yeah i because it came straight after it makes me think that yeah a big missed opportunity there um they could have done more, and that's that's the that's the feeling I get coming away from this episode. I was expecting more, right? Yeah,
1: you know, and just to the point I made about, um, you know, I'll see you in court. It's like technically that would that should be the episode that we would that we would have reviewed at the very very end, since that one aired, you know, at least in the U.S. a lot later than others. But I think you know Alex had made that decision because I think. It was those one-offs. It was still a season three episode, right? Yeah. So I think he put, and that I think that was the one exception that he made. But I I know that internationally, people did see that. I mean, and Carolyn, who's been on as a guest, has also mentioned that. You know, she was able to get it because it was airing internationally. Yes. But I don't know. But, but I guess that's a question for you, Annabelle and Matt, um, or maybe more for you, Annabelle, since she was seeing this more <laughs> as as it aired in its initial run in Australia. I mean, was it? U.S. airing order, or was it production code order in the way in the way that it was syndicated?
4: Uh, originally, aired, it would have aired as America would have aired it, so it would have been the original air order. <clears throat> when it and when it got replayed on cable TV for the first time in the late '90s, again, it was the proper aired order, and it was just random. I think it was the first the the season one DVD, the first release, the Sony. They put it in production code order. Um. So, I thought that was interesting. I thought, oh, is this is what they're going to go with. Um, but yeah, so it sort of depends on who's showing it. But here it airs in aired order, or at least did. And just on that, if you look at the Bundiology Hypertext Program Guide for each episode, they've got the episode number in production code order. So, for this one to be 201. And then they've got the episode number in true US premiere order, which would be 199. And then they've got the episode number in the old US premiere order, which is episode 200. So counting the lost show.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
4: Okay. Yes. So that's this episode in a butt shell. And <laughs> until, <laughs> until next time, this podcast will be back, much like a roid. We come back with a vengeance.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and next week the podcast will be examining ship happens part one when peg wins a cruise but decides to take al and the darcy's along with her they leave the kids at home with wolfman jack but as always fortune follows and before we sign off today why we're talking about weddings and anniversaries. I wanted to say a big, big thank you to all those people who wished us well for our wedding back in April, especially my fellow co-hosts of this podcast. You're a fantastic bunch of guys, and I love you dearly, and thank you for all your well wishes. The wedding went very smoothly. My now husband and I walked down the aisle to love and marriage. And as Matt will tell you, it was perfectly timed. And our cake was a little bit bundified oh no not not on that way <laughs>